politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Minutemen standing at the ready to fight anew for our life, liberty, and property. Standing at the ready to hear the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. If this is what you're striving for, well, this is your one-stop shop of only independent, truly independent conservative talk. Daniel Horowitz back here the new year, January 4th. It's Wednesday. I don't even know what time it is. I worked like almost around the clock yesterday. Uh, To say so much is going on is an understatement. But now is the time that you need independent. Someone with 15 years of experience challenging the system on every front, Senate primaries, House primaries, governor primaries, state legislative primaries, leadership elections, policy fights, budget fights, state, federal, I've been there, done it all. My record is out there in the open. So this is not just about one person, Kevin McCarthy, the opponents, the speakers. It's a broader problem as always. And all these other phony voices were not only never involved in any of the aforementioned fights, and they're always a day late, a dollar short, but the fundamental problem with them is they will never break the cycle of failure. I used to call them thumb suckers, but I think now we'll call them toe dippers. That's what they are, and we'll, we'll develop that today, a to- what a toe dipper is. Um, always focusing at, on the issue that's not in front of you, Uh, In the way, it's not in front of you, and at the time, it's not in front of you. But when the stars do align with the time and the issue and 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 the means, they not only don't join, but they are viciously against you. What applies more than ever with what you're seeing play out, this is one of the most teachable moments in my career in American history. Not that the speaker even matters in a narrow, rhino, retarded Republican house in a federal system that's broken anyway. But it's breaking the cycle of failure to finally show a new path from this false choice that we're always given that no, we're going to stand and fight for our prerogatives the same way the rhino dirtbags, corporatists, globalists, and Democrats fight for theirs. The notion that we deserve our Hakim Jeffries. You see how the Democrats so... Um, um, you know, they were so enthralled with their leader, supported him. He fights pedal to the metal for their issues. We need one of their one of our own. And the way you need to understand this, the way you need to understand what's going on, is by is by understanding who your friends and who your enemies are. We often ask, why can't someone come along and fight the system? Why? Why? Oh, isn't it terrible? Uh, what the Republicans are doing. Oh my gosh, this is terrible. Um, You know, why can't someone come along and just on their white horse? Well, first of all, no one's going to come along on a white horse. If you're going to disrupt and dislodge the system that we all supposedly, at least enough to make money and talk on the radio, profess that it's broken, well, it it ain't going to look pretty. Okay? But... You're going to have to do it at some point. And here, 20 guys came along, and much to my surprise, they held on a scale from 1 to 10, from what I thought, you know, Tuesday would work out to be. And, 
you know, this is midday Wednesday, still don't know what's going on. I think it was a nine on a scale of 10. They all held and they're holding firm. We always dreamt what would happen if rather than them always voting with the Democrats, them always screwing us, we have a group of guys saying we're going to deny you until we get systemic change. You would think everyone would join them. But 99% of conservative thumbsuckers, talkers, are either downright viciously attacking them or indifferent or like, oh, well, I'm, I'm providing both sides. Toe dippers. Again, I've said this before, but toe dippers are perfectly described. This quote from Mark Twain perfectly explains modern day conservative media, not just now, but my entire life. In the beginning of a change, the patriot is a scarce man and brave and hated and scorned. When his cause succeeds, the timid join him, for then it costs nothing to be a patriot. To be a patriot. You know, one of the interesting things, one of, I'm going to go through each argument one by one, the spur, spurious, phony arguments, and they keep jumping back from one to another and they contradict themselves. Saying things that are almost like, what's the problem with McCarthy? And then, but then they know it doesn't resonate with their audience. So they're like, well, no, I'm all for doing that, but uh, you got to do it the right way. Show me the strategy. Show me the person. First of all, they have a strategy. They've actually been pretty successful so far. You got to hand it to them. And like, dude, what's your strategy? Like, if, if, if the speaker's fight is not your thing, I could appreciate that. Then at least have a legislative agenda for the 25 trifecta states. Work on governor's primaries. Work on reforming the way primaries are. My seven-point plan. You don't like all my ideas? Pick one or two of them. But these guys have nothing but carrying water for the GOP. And that's all they'll ever do. So in the abstract, they're all for fighting but when it comes to it, they never are. Except for when we succeed, then they'll be like, yo, yo, this is terrible. And the perfect example of this is Mitch McConnell. So these losers have the nerve to say, chase the squirrel. Oh, McCarthy's not the problem. McConnell's the problem. We should focus our efforts on him. And indeed, that's what Trump put out today. Well, I have news for you. That's not the fight at hand because there's nothing we can do about McConnell now because he's not a presiding officer. So once he wins in conference, he won. There's no like full body vote that a few conservatives could deny him. But do you know why that fight is over with? Because of you, because of Trump, because of the establishment, because of every one of those phony Fox News talk, talk show hosts. I fought him for 15 freaking years alone. My famous storming the castle um, article, the first national figure endorsing I helped recruit his primary challenger in 2014. And they all, all of them, I can name names. Daniel, he's a smart leader. When it actually mattered. And then again in 2020, he was up again. He said he'll repeal Obamacare, root and branch. You know why he said root and branch? It was in response to a video I helped make, making fun out of him. You know, we had a playoff of Kentucky Fried Chicken, a finger licking fraud. So he was like, you know, because we knew he wasn't going to repeal Obamacare. And he's like, no, root and branch. And then he's like, oh, well, I guess it wasn't so root and branch. He literally said that. So in 2020, well, now we have Trump, right? Not only didn't Trump side with us, he preemptively endorsed McConnell. 
and then that nuked any ability to go after him. And even in the leadership election, I said this just late October, I wrote an article, I was like, Trump needs to whip the Senate majority conference vote. He didn't do it. The 11th hour, he said McConnell needs to go. But it's not like he endorsed Rick Scott. And I'm not saying Rick Scott is great, but it would have been better. And and whipped and named names and been as viciously against McConnell as he is against Andy Biggs and Chip Roy and these guys. No, it was very weak. And even that opposition, again, was only once McConnell crossed him personally. All these times McConnell was screwing us, he joined with him on policy, on elections. And then it's not just McConnell. It's all of McConnell's lieutenants. Do you know, do you know why we don't have leverage to get rid of him? Why McConnell won the vote 40 to 10 in conference? Because every single McConnell lieutenant in 2016, 2018, and 2020 up for re-election, forget about the swing states. I'm talking about solid red states that everyone agrees whoever wins the primary wins the general. He endorsed rhinos like Katie Britt in Alabama. You know, Alabama and Mississippi, you're always going to win those states, or the Republicans at least. All four senators are leftist whores who voted for the omnibus, even gay marriage. Cindy Hyde-Smith from Mississippi. No one was with me when we went after Thad Cochran with Chris McDaniel. I helped recruit him, and and we won the first round, but then they got Democrats to vote and narrowly lost the runoff, we were flying blind. He ran again for the next seat and Trump endorsed Cindy Hyde-Smith. I could go down the line. I was there. I was involved in all of that. So don't tell me, oh, this is not the fight. That's the fight. You are now. Yeah, now that he's in his final term, he's in his 80s, he's not going to run for re-election. Yeah, yeah, McConnell's the problem. Oh, yeah, gee. 15 years too late. I'm sick of these voices. Man, do these guys piss me off. But anyway, you know, one of, one of the things, um, we all have New Year's resolutions. One of the things I have resolved is to listen to music more. Country music is my favorite and uh, just relaxes me, which I clearly needed, as you can see. And it's great to get away from the visuals, the kind of transhumanism, the screen, put in your earbuds, but you need quality earbuds that don't fall out of your ear, get clogged, staticky. Raycon offers really the only premium audio for the perfect price point that's not premium. Um, Raycon's everyday earbuds, they look great, they feel great, they sound better than than ever. They have optimized gel tips that fit perfectly in ears like mine that seem to uh, always hate IFBs in my ear. Uh, Raycons give you up to eight hours of playtime, 32 hours of battery life. And again, it's half the price of typical premium brands. That's why they have so many so many five-star uh, ratings. They have noise isolation awareness mode. So if you're down the block and someone wants to sneak up behind you and knock you out, um, they call it apple picking. So believe it or not, you'll be on top of that. Um, they have three customizable sound profiles. It is truly great. My only problem is my, my son stole my pair, so I had to get another one. Go to buyraycon.com slash conservative today to get 15% off your Raycon order. That's buy, B-U-Y-R-A-Y-C-O-N.com slash conservative. Buyraycon.com slash conservative, 15% off. So, folks, this is terrible. We, I mean, I don't know what we're going to do. This is like a shutdown. I mean, we're going to have the economy shut down. We're going to have our schools shut down. We're going to have healthcare shut down. We're going to have to wear a mask. We're going to have to get jabbed. Oh, no, I'm sorry. 
No, that was COVID fascism that these very same talkers were either indifferent to or supported. And these very same Republicans like Kevin McCarthy fully supported. No, it's just a speaker's race. Doesn't matter to our lives. So I'm sorry, the families of the members elect will have to stay in Washington a couple extra days to sort this out. This is the thing. They won't even fight for something like this. You know, I have a long institutional memory because I've been fighting for what's right in the way it matters at the time it matters for so long. I was fighting McCarthy before it was cool. These guys look at us like we're from Mars. How do you, well, what's the problem with McCarthy? This was consensus seven years ago. When Boehner was defeated, which by the way was only thanks to our work, almost everyone, I don't want to say that there's not a single one, but 95% of the so-called conservative voices that are you know bloviating now, they weren't with us on getting rid of Boehner either. But we got rid of Boehner, so... You know, it was who's going to step up. McCarthy stepped up. McCarthy pulled out of the race because everyone understood. It wasn't even ideological, even, even a lot of the moderates. He was just a bungling fool. He was a bimbo. He was an ideologically soulless person. He literally believes in nothing. And that's why the Senate GOP laughs at him. They know he's not to the right. They know he's just putting on a show. And that's why we'll never have leverage over the Senate with, with someone like him in charge. Kevin McCarthy stared into the abyss and he said in conference, this was October 2015, I'm not the one. We need a fresh face. Those were his words. Seven years of his failed majority leadership during the trifecta years. We are in this position today because of, in part, his leadership among a few others. How are Kevin McCarthy's own words not ringing true times 100 today? I'm not the one. We need a fresh face. You see, what you have now are the thumbsuckers and toe dippers. Here's what these guys do. They wait for consensus. They read the room. They don't want any messy fight. They don't want any disruption. They want to just glide in there. It's like the type of people that just go in your private voting booth and vote for president and you change the world. They don't want to fight for anything. They don't get their hands dirty. Okay? That's why they're, two, they're a year late on lockdowns, a year late on masks, and two years late on vaccines, if ever. And they'll be a year to five years late on Ukraine. Same thing. 10 to 15 years late on McConnell. They'll always, they'll, right now, if you talk to conservative Inc., any like, you know, major conservative, list your 50 most famous so-called conservative voices that are nothing but GOP water carriers. <clears throat> so it's pretty much consensus that, oh yeah, Boehner was totally a Democrat. He was a, he was a total fraud. Yeah, but at the time, we were crushed. You're creating the same argument. See, I've lived through this. It's a joke. Everyone thinks this is new. It's not. They made the same arguments. You're holding up the house. You're going to somehow empower the Democrats when it's not true. And then now, yeah, Boehner was an idiot. Oh, that that's, that's what a toe dipper is. You see people drowning in the sea and you got to jump in there. It doesn't matter if the water is scalding, if the water is cold, if the water is lukewarm, you got you got a job to do. Someone's drowning. They'll dip their toe in. Well, 
I'm all for doing this, but this is not the right way. This is not the way to do it. And by the way, like, this is the thing. They always want no cost fights. Not even that there's a really a cost here, but that's why all these guys, they won't fo focus on the speaker's fight, and some will downright be against us. But pretty much universally, they're all for getting rid of Rona McDaniel, McDaniel even though their hero Trump is supporting her. Um, the RNC chairmanship is a nothing burger because there's no dramatic fight over that. It doesn't matter. It's a no one cares who the RNC chair is. And, and don't get me wrong, Harmeet Dillon is a great woman. Kudos for stepping up. You know, not just complaining, but saying, "Look, I'll run a serious campaign." But I, I don't even know how that even matters in the scheme of things. But but that's fine. I don't want to dump. Like I said, I don't like dumping on other people. Um, if they if they have a way that they feel will change the system. But I'm just telling you, they'll latch on to that, but they won't latch on to this. It's the same way while they'll be like, oh, McConnell's the problem. It's so cute. You know, I saw yesterday, um, even Nikki Haley, who's like uber establishment, was bashing Mitch McConnell over like, you know, signing the infrastructure, you know, having the uh, ceremony about the infrastructure bill with McConnell in Kentucky, with Biden in, in Kentucky. And, uh, and Nikki like bashes McConnell. I'm thinking like, Dude, she never, ever would have done that for 15 years. Now they read the room, and thanks to our work, after so many years, yeah, it's kind of cool to go after McConnell. So yeah, McConnell's a problem. They'll never fight the issue in front of them at the time it actually matters. Most of the ones who aren't supporting McCarthy, they're just commenting and not taking a side. Well, there's drama. We got to get it sorted out. Well, what the hell do you want from them? So, so I'm, I'm going to go through each, each argument one at a time. See, they accuse us of being like purists, obstructionists. No, they're the ones saying no. They're the ones who won't take yes for an answer. They complain and complain and complain. And finally, people at the, there's nothing to gain. Could you imagine being 20 out of 222 in a conference when they're saying, you're holding up the committees, you're holding up our majority, you're holding up everything. I don't even know if I'd be able to do that. I'd be able to argue against issues. But this is very personal. That's a very, I mean, my hat's off to those people. And they're holding. I never thought they would hold. We always wanted this to, well, no, no, Daniel, you first have to elect 150 conservatives just pull out of your hat, then we can, we don't have freaking time and I'm, I'm the one who tried to do that and you were never with me in the primaries. This is the best we have. No, no, Daniel, I want the perfect candidate for a speaker and you could put his name out ahead of time and somehow McCarthy's team won't tear him down and everyone's gonna flock to him and there won't be a fight. Dude, that doesn't exist. They're, this is the only strategy. Look, if you want to say, I have no problem with McCarthy, let's get the show on, because it is just a show. The GOP theater, I want to commentate on but the Democrats. So just say so. Don't be dishonest and project your grifting political games, gamesmanship on people like Chip Roy that are as pure as they, as they come. Don't project it on them. Don't say, oh, I'm all for this, but. But what? So we'll go through some of this. 
First, our other sponsor today is, speaking of things that only have an upside and no downside, what about upside app? Thanks to Republicans. Thanks to this failed Republican leadership, Republicans have controlled the body closest to the people, the U.S. House, for 20 of the last 28 years. Since 1994, the debt has gone from $4 trillion to $31 trillion. Dependency, every measure, that's why we have the inflation we have. Everyone knows that, and these guys are trying to change it, but you could change things for yourself. When you register with Upside, it's an app, you, know, you only get like 1% back on your credit card. So with every purchase of gas, groceries, or restaurants, um, you could register, you know, check in. Okay, I'm going to go to Shell Gas Station on this corner of, you know, Smith Avenue. And then you go and you upload the receipt and you get literally sometimes 40 to 60 cents per gallon back in, in cash. Also, to get started, if you download the free Upside app, use my promo code CONSERVATIVE and get $5 off or more cash back on your first first purchase of $10 or more. Um, So again, claim the offer on that gas station or grocery store, check in, pay as usual with a credit card, and you get paid back. It could be through uh, um, the rewards program, through your credit card, your bank account. Download the free Upside app, promo code CONSERVATIVE to get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. Every little bit counts in this inflationary economy. So anyway, folks, here's the deal. We've all played We've all played this game over and over again. We all know how it ends. Okay? They play this game, they indulge our issues very superficially, and then they screw us. I have an article out today going through. The top committee chairmen are the worst people like Tom Cole and Kay Granger and Mike Rogers. And by the way, all these people are in solid red districts. And they're the top committee chairmen. So there's this notion, there's this low expectation attitude of the people that are nothing but GOP water carriers. Well... Daniel, what do you expect? We have to wait. We're not in the majority. There aren't enough conservatives. And this is the best you can get. This expectation that committee chairmanships should always go to them, the rules committee should, that's just how it is. No, that's not how it is. Democrats make their demands. The rhinos make their demands. So we should make our demands. Do you know, do you know when um, they just did this in reverse in Ohio? And it just shows how broken the party is. So Republicans have a two-to-one majority, like 67 to 33, in the Ohio House. They elected a conservative speaker in conference, the opposite of what happened here. But the rhinos were like, screw that. They went along with the Democrats, um, and they got all the Democrats, plus 22 Republicans, to to vote for, for a leftist Republican. And there you go. But the only reason we have these people in there is because they didn't want to make surgery. Do, do this surgery. There is no time like the present. You're certainly not going to do this after you win a big majority. Oh, now's not the time. McCarthy is the most unrespected bimbo of anyone around. If you get a more respected establishment guy, it's certainly not going to happen. Now, by the way, I just want to note, somebody said, oh, Daniel, you just said the Democrats joined. It, it's a different situation there. First of all, it's a state level. 
um, in, in a Republican supermajority, this has been going on a long time. Democrats know they'll never get their person in. It's permanent that they're in the minority, so they just work with the fake Republicans out in the open, and they do that, and this has been going on for a while. The federal thing is much more partisan, and it's a narrow majority. They're not going to turn and support a Republican for speaker. The only way that could happen is not Matt Gates and Andy Biggs and Chip Roy doing that. It's McCarthy's allies doing that. Like a lot of people are like, well, Daniel, but then the moderates will go and do that. That could only the moderates are solid McCarthy supporters. They're not like, well, we reluctantly support. They love the guy. Okay? So obviously he's not a he's a fraud. And they're saying they will they're they're only McCarthy. That's what they're saying. They won't support anyone else. Anyone else. Um so because they won't support anyone else, they love McCarthy. So if they go and then cut a deal with Democrats, that's on McCarthy. That could only happen if McCarthy green lights that. If you don't like the deadlock, then then fine. But don't don't make something up. See, this is the thing about conservative talk radio. They have one muscle memory. You have to that that public and like the Democrats. That's all they know is but the Democrats. And that's how they get people on the plantation that no matter what, no matter how, no matter what these people do, you'll support them in the general election and won't even at least try to win it in the three-way race, run an independent like I've been talking about. But legitimately, it is true, especially if you don't try an independent. Well, if you have Republicans don't turn out, depending on the state, you know how many Republicans, but eventually the Democrat will win. The beauty of this fight is that You could force a national discussion on the future of the party, the structure of the party, the way the House runs, the priorities of it, without any risk the Democrats are going to get it. Because think about it. If McCarthy is struggling so much despite dissent from only 20 people, what, you think Hakeem Jeffries could somehow? No, he could easily vote that down. He needs a majority. So they have to fabricate the but the Democrats will win argument even when it's not true because that's all they have. They can't get up there and say, I'm just a whore for uh, Kevin McCarthy because I've become friends with him through Trump. Um, They can't say that because their audience doesn't want to hear that. So they have to have a, no, no, you're going to help the Democrat. It's not true. It's not true. Now let's go through some other arguments. Daniel, I'm all for this, but, but this is too messy. It's not the way to do it. You should have done it before. They did do it before. This isn't like the Boehner fights that were serendipitous. I mean, people knew stuff was going on. We were planning it quietly. But then you, you come to the floor and they vote against him. They promised for two months. They said, we, you do not have the votes on the floor. So they did do that. Then the next argument is, well, Daniel, I don't know. But what's your strategy? What's your strategy? What's your strategy? So first of all, these guys aren't going to freaking divulge it to you. What? They're supposed to... Like, d- d- don't play ignorant with me. If you claim to be on our side, but you're just concerned about strategy, you should understand that McCarthy is entrenched. All of his lieutenants are committee chairs. They all control everything. He controls K Street. They control Washington. You can't put a guy out there. They do have two to three names, I will just tell you, that are more low-key, respected people that aren't Jim Jordan you know, not just Jim Jordan play, but there are other people there. Some of it I'm privy to, some of it I'm not. 
they keep it very tight to their chest that I don't even know, and that's a good thing. That's the only way you can do it. I'm actually very impressed. You know, we always say that it's, oh, it's chaotic, it's chaotic. They, they've actually done a great job. They've done, I mean, they, this is what we always dreamt of. I, I don't even know if I could have done this. They held firm. They brought it to the brink. But you can't through the front door say, oh, it's John Doe. They'll tear the guy apart. You have to first defeat McCarthy and hemorrhage his support before you could bring someone out. And we're close to that point. And we would be if we would have a unified movement and not be fragged by these idiots. See, that's another thing. That's another thing. There are some schmucks out there that were like, you know, these fine five boneheads, five, five people. No, actually, it's 20. Um, so there's one thing if you think it's a joke of an effort. But now say what you want. It's not a joke. It's a real effort. So even if you didn't originally back it and strategically, again, if it's not a values disagreement, which I think it is, it's just a strategic disagreement. By now, you'd be, you, you would support us. Like, okay, but now look, now, now, now it's self-fulfilling. If they would put the pressure on, McCarthy's gone. It's very close. Even the media agrees to that. So now you are literally siding with McCarthy, which is what they're doing. It's the, so I want to make it clear. It's not about, oh, I'm all for this, but there is no other way. Tell me, tell me the name. What's the, what's the strategy? What's the exit strategy? What's your exit strategy? What are you going to do to change the freaking GOP? You don't like the speaker's fight? Fine. I'm working on primaries. I'm working on state legislatures. Do you know yesterday on the same day I worked the speaker's fight, I published a 3,000 word list of like 30 different ideas on medical freedom. And and I worked until 11 last night. And then I got a call from a, a legislator in, in a red state who was like, Daniel, do you have legislative language and some talking points for these ideas? I want to move on them quick. So I worked on that. God bless him. So don't tell me like, oh, you're a purist. You're not a, you don't know how to govern. Oh, it's, it's just, there's no strategy. I'm working on 50 million things and have been for 15 years. And they were never with me on any of them. I could use support on it. It's nothing to do with McCarthy. It's not about the speaker's fight, the right time, the right place. It's about, they just want to commentate, toe dip, thumb suck as an end to itself, grift, make millions of dollars. And carry water for the GOP, while also sounding like, but principally, ideally, I'm a conservative. Except when it actually matters and and you could actually do something about it. You're never going to have a clean fight. We had this same problem with primaries. Oh my gosh. Daniel, I'm all for going after these Senate Republicans, but you gotta get better candidates. Dude, if you're going to sit and frag us, we there is no front door doing. You're not going to get a well-respected guy with trillions of dollars through the front door coming and challenging these guys. It's suicide. It doesn't happen. Like, it's broadly agreed that Ron DeSantis is not just the most conservative governor, but one of the most talented at governing, campaigning, raising money, you know, being very competent. But even Ron, I love the guy, but even Ron, you know, it was very hard. It was only because of Trump's endorsement, one of the few good endorsements he did, that he beat the establishment. That was an open seat. That wasn't incumbent. 
And then he won by 30,000 votes the general election. Now that he got a chance to govern and people like it, yeah, now he's you know flying above the clouds. But we're talking about initially getting into this lodge, so on. You, Ron DeSantis, you run against an incumbent Republican in a primary, there's no way you win. And Ron DeSantis himself at the time would have looked like a right-wing extremist bungling fool because you look very clumsy when you're trying to storm the castle. Now everyone's a big hero. I supported him from day one when it wasn't cool in the primary. But now everyone's like, yeah, yeah, Ron DeSantis. Yeah, now that's the thing. In the rare instances that we actually eventually win something, they're all for it. You know, let me give you a perfect, perfect example of this. So um, one of the few successes I've ever had, you know, I had my little share, my part in uh, helping Dave Bratt defeat Eric Cantor, sitting majority leader in a primary for a seat in Virginia. This was in 2014. And it's funny, it was, it, you know, we're reminiscing about it. Dave called me out of the blue. We were, we were talking uh, two days ago, um, talking on Monday, and we we're just kind of, we we're talking about all this stuff. And it was the funniest thing because every candidate like him that was on the radar of Conservative Inc. No, why are you going after Eric Cantor? What are you, leadership? How dare you do that? Well, you're tearing down this and that. Now, it's not only Boehner, but now you have a problem with Cantor. But then the minute that, in the rare circumstance, he shocked everyone and won by 11 points. You know, even I was shocked. We were all shocked. <laughs> they were all very positive about him. Oh, look at this. This is great. This is great. This is great. One of them, who's still around today taking pot shots at the guys that are challenging McCarthy, even called me up and was like, hey, Daniel, my father wants to be his chief of staff. Uh, put, in my, put in his name. See how this game works? Again, Mark Twain, they wait until it no longer costs anything to be a patriot when the other people they scorned upon did the hard work for them. And, and, and in the irony of all ironies coming full circle, we are only in this position because they didn't learn the lesson eight years ago about, about um, Eric Cantor. It's like the base didn't want the corporatist young guns. So they took Cantor's deputy and co-author of Young Guns, Kevin McCarthy, who was then the whip, the number three, and they elevated him to majority leader, which put him in the position to run for speaker a year later, and they didn't want him, and he failed, and now we're drudging him up again. They forget all that history. But some of us not only remember it, but we're involved in it. We're not Johnny-come-latelys. We're not one-trick ponies. This is the game these guys play. But folks... I myself am more focused on, I want to talk about the vaccines, I want to talk about the issues, I want to talk about the state legislatures, what we can do. But when you have guys in the field doing what you asked, you got to back them. You got to take yes for an answer. One of the points we've been making is that in the absence of, in one generation, being able to create a new party, one of the things you can do is vote as a block. Use the Republican Party the way they use us. Use it for ballot access. And then you get in there and you form like a freedom alliance. And you just 
Yes, you hostage take. They hostage take us for tyranny. You better believe we'll hostage take them for liberty and for what's right. Like I said, they do it all the time. It's time we do it. It's like somehow it's like, no, no, no. You have to fight nicely. No. They're, this is what they're doing. It's not just, I don't care about Kevin McCarthy, this, that they're all bad. But here's the deal. What they're demonstrating is what we need to do in state legislatures. A block of conservatives just saying, we're not going to, we're going to use every leverage to bring this to the brink, to finally force a discussion over what we're here for and stop this theater. It's worth a few days of deadlock in a chamber no one's following to sort this out. You need to push it to the brink. They're all like, oh, you just get a general election candidate come out of nowhere. They're not going to come out of nowhere because part of what Kevin McCarthy represents is the country club Republicans, they have a next-in-line mentality. And 99% of the time, whether it's a leadership position, whether it's a candidate for House, Senate, governor, even state legislature in most cases, it's the next in line. And 95% of the time, the next in line is a puke. They might not say things publicly that sound pukey, but they are. And they're certainly not going to do what it takes to fight the system. You're going to if you're going to have to actively dislodge them. You can't just thumb suck your way into this. And the beauty is, as a talk show host, you don't even have to do anything. 20 guys are laying it out on the line. And they're fragging them. Let's go on to another argument. Well, Daniel, I understand you made your point. You did very good. You got all these concessions. But now, you know, anything more is going to be counterproductive. You got to, you know, take yes for an answer. You know, he, he... Kevin McCarthy was just so magnanimous uh, making concessions, and you got to accept it. A lot of things to say on that point. A couple things to clear up. So, just broadly, oh, so that's an admission that they actually did a good thing here. So now you're using their supposed, in your mind, gains and concessions against them to bash them and oppose them. But that would be okay if you enthusiastically supported them until now. Like, hey, guys, okay, I, I, good. Now it's time to call it off. But they were viciously attacking them from day one. So the, their own argument is a self-indictment. That if this would have been left to your devices, we wouldn't have gotten those concessions. And it should be a lesson that you have to force things to change things. So that's number one. That's number one. Had they had their way, we wouldn't have gotten that. Number two is... You have to understand the nature, the timing, and the individual behind the concessions and what the concessions were. This guy is a lying thief. Boehner had this, remember the Pledge to America? They were promising one single issue votes, 72 hours before. They had all this in their document. And they waived every bill that they wanted to break it, which were all the important bills. They just waived it in the Rules Committee. It's not even speculation. This is what they've done. Under Boehner, under Ryan, and under Pelosi. Democrats, too, had certain rules, too, by the way. They would waive them. Which they can in the Rules Committee for the individual bill. 
there there is a time that you take concessions, but then you have to understand there's a difference when you negotiate, you you make a case while you know I'm gonna give you some stuff. But here's the deal. If you remember, we see now all of a sudden all these talkers are experts on the house rules. Oh, the, the concessions, the concessions. I was the one talking about it a half a year ago when it actually mattered when the Freedom Caucus published it. McCarthy was shut up, talked to the hand, even though they weren't even right-wing things. They were very sane things. He wouldn't give an inch. He wouldn't even meet with them. And it went on and on and on. He only started doing it once he realized he had no idea there would be a challenge for a speakership. But then when it was a narrow majority... And these five guys, I mean, and by the way, no one saw it coming on either side. And it's really a testament to their strength of character. Because the problem is, it's always, it's like a hijacking situation. When you have three hijackers, you have a plane of 100 people. You could take them down, but you need to have a coordination. Who's the first one not to blink and to do it so that you have a critical mass that you don't get mowed down? So five guys were willing to enable another 15, and you know there's another 10 kind of in the orbit there because um, McCarthy couldn't afford to lose more than four. From day one, Norman, Bob Good, Matt Gates, Andy Biggs, um, and uh, darn, I always forget the fifth, um, but it will come back to me. I can't believe I'm forgetting this, but yeah, I'm, I'm sorry, the, 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 the fifth name there. They put their name out there, and they were willing to do that. No one saw that happening. No one saw that happening. So McCarthy got desperate and last minute. So if you go from zero negotiation to just because your, your life's dream is in danger, oh, here you could have this, okay, we'll allow this rule, that rule. Here's the deal. Given the history, given the person, given the timing— it's a fraud. And part of why it's a fraud is, and here's the big thing, is the rules committee. One of the things they're asking for is, there are six Republicans on the rules committee. Right now, the rules committee, the, the, slated, the chairman is slated to be Tom Cole. Tom Cole, there are no words to describe the guy. The guy hates you and me more than Joe Biden and Chuck Schumer hates you and me. He literally said that we need more money for the FBI to go after more people. He is going to be the chairman of the rules committee. That is what writes anything out to the floor. So on the one hand, it doesn't have jurisdiction over any issue. But on the other hand, it's really the committee of committees. Because it, it by default could essentially give life or death to any other piece of legislation from any committee. He's the chairman. And then it's stacked with hacks. They're asking, so there's six Republicans. The majority always has six. I think six to three. You know, even though if even even if it's a narrow majority, that's how, that's how they do it. Six to three. So they're asking for three of the six Republican slots, and maybe to get rid of Cole. So that he said no. Unless you do that, everything else is not worth the paper it's printed on, among other things. So that's with that. Then there's the next thing. Oh, no, these guys are doing it for personal reasons. They want to get on TV. They want to make a name for themselves, and they're selling. They're, how dare they go to McCarthy last minute? They want, it's all perks. They want committee chairmen. They want committee slots. Okay, so somehow when Marjorie Taylor Greene 
and the other sellout for committee slots to McCarthy, that's okay. But here's the point. Anyone who knows Chip Roy, Chip Roy has no freaking desire to sit on the rules committee and lose time with his family. Okay, he really doesn't. <laughs> All right, and anyone who knows him knows that. But the rub against our guys is always, you always say no and never offer to run for anything. So that's what they're saying, I'll be on rules. And they put forward names of people. And Chip was, I could say Chip was, was uh, one of them. Now it's like, oh no, you're doing it for yourself. They're doing it for us. We don't freaking have a seat at the table. So of course, it has to be one of the conservative members. So some of them have to volunteer for it. What are you going to do? Well, who else is going to do it? What a stupid argument. And also broadly, they're doing it to make a, make a name of themselves. There is no benefit to them. Because all of the top shows except for Tucker are blasting them. And Tucker's a little nuanced. He was, he was okay. A little nuanced. There's stuff going on beyond the scenes, but thankfully he, he held. But they're not making a name of themselves. It's the ones pimping for him that are getting all the favors. This is storming the castle. There is no benefit to doing what they're doing. We always hope for principled people. They finally do it. Oh, Daniel, I don't know. This is a bit much for me. I can't stomach this. Then shut up. Then shut up. Then you're a fraud. We're not even asking you to do it. We're asking you not to piss on those doing it. Doesn't even cost you anything. Just, just, uh, just so, so pathetic. It's just so stupid. So call your member and demand they oppose McCarthy. Oh, oh Daniel, what, what's the, what, 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 what's the thread? What's, what's, what's the, What's the end game? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? What's your end game? Why is it? This is what I don't understand. So Laura Ingram had Chip Roy on. You got to see that interview. So it's all a bunch of false stories. The Democrats are going to win. It's not true. Unless McCarthy makes that happen. But it's like, okay, but how do you get to 218? How do you get to 218? Why is that not asked of McCarthy? How does McCarthy get to, to get to 218? Well, they have more than us. Well, 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 you know, you got to make more, elect more people. No, why do we have to always be on the out? We have one Democrat party. We deserve our own Hakeem Jeffries. This is our movement. This is our platform. We built this. The majority of voters who vote Republican believe in that, which is why they lie and cater to it rhetorically. Notice Republicans don't openly most of them don't openly say what they believe because they know the voters want to hear this way. So these are the people who represent them. Why should we, we always have to yield? I don't know, Daniel. Take what you can get. I don't know. What a bunch of pathetic toe dippers. A couple other notes. It was uh, very interesting. Kevin McCarthy was nominated by Elise Stefanik. She gave a nominating speech, and she's just the biggest leftist around. And by the way, just an interesting thing here. Just so you know, this is not about McCarthy. It's the same people largely supporting the COVID shots, supporting Ukraine, supporting 
supported McConnell back in the day, what was wrong on so many primaries, supported all of Trump's loser, you know, candidates. But it's not just McCarthy. So, Daniel, now's not the time on the floor. Well, so when is the time? In conference, right? Privately in conference. Okay. Do you know a couple years ago, or maybe it was last year, two years ago, so there was a consensus eventually that Liz Cheney needs to step down because she openly declared war on the entire party and everything. Okay. So Liz Cheney was the conference chair. Elise Stefanik was anointed by Trump to take the position. And at the time, Chip Roy stood up and was like, wait a minute. I'm glad we're getting rid of Liz Cheney, but like Elise Stefanik is just a rhetorically pro-Trump version of that, ideologically. And a lot of these same people dumped on Chip when he tried to fight that. What are you doing? Uh, we need to get rid of Liz Cheney. Like, well, no, you're going to get rid of her no matter what. You have the votes to do it. Let's do it with someone who's better than Elise Stefanik. But it was all about Trump, 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 Trump. But anyway, in her speech, you got to listen to it. She touted diversity. She used, oh, we have the most diverse. We have the first this and that. I was thinking in two years from now, they're going to be like, we have the first transgender Republican. Yay! They use the intersectionality language. This is how these people think. They're not of us. They're not by us. They're not for us. When you look, and, and, and again, look at these super majorities where there's no concern of the Democrats. So the Republicans just work with the Democrats. I'm not kidding you. In Wyoming Senate, there's two Democrats. The Republicans work with them to crush conservatives. Two. Unless you do surgery. And again, this is not the only surgery, but it is a dramatic moment to force a national debate. But the good thing is it's dramatic with really no collateral damage. Oh, Daniel, the beautiful committee hearings will start are delayed by three days. Oh, you mean like Kay Granger running appropriations? You mean like Mike Rogers running armed services? He's the guy saying that we need to kick these guys off committees. What a bunch of idiots. And folks, you know, there's one thing when people change for the better. If you really are, I'm, I'm all for converts and concessions, but it would show you would be like laying down on the tracks supporting our cause. But what these clowns do is once it's finally okay, they dip their toe in it and like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Okay, I guess the vaccines are kind of a problem. Done. But they won't fight to enact, you know, to, to bring, bring it to legislation and everything. Let me give you one of the few examples that just came to my mind. It's an interesting factoid. Um, it gave me a little bit of nostalgia. It's one of the few times that a member got better. Probably one of the most based members, if not the most based member of the House of Representatives, is Paul Gosar of Arizona. So you might have noticed he he gave the nominating speech for um, uh, Andy Biggs, his fellow Arizonan. And I was thinking it's funny. So Paul Gosar was elected in a Tea Party year of 2010. And, you know, you had all the Boehner budget fights and debt ceiling fights where he screwed us. And Gosar joined with leadership on those bills. So we actually put up a primary challenge. I, I, I remember writing the endorsement for his challenger. He was a guy in the state legislature. And, and, and as, as always, the incumbent won and Gosar won. The challenger didn't win. 
you know what? When he got reelected, it was like the only time I ever remember that. He never turned back. It turns out it was just like, you know, he kind of got hoodwinked by leadership, but he got it. He got the message. And boy, he never, not only did he like try to pretend to be more conservative, he laid down on the line and would lead every fight now. That's what a real, you know, convert looks like. That's what a convert looks like to the cause. That's a man who changes. But, um, but anyway, these guys, um, you know, Biggs, Bishop, Bobert, Breachin, Cloud, Clyde, Crane, Getz, Good, Goser, Harris, Paulina Luna, Miller, Norman, Oglis, Perry, Rosendale. By the way, Matt Rosendale was the fifth guy of the original. Uh, Chip Roy and Self, he's a, a freshman. And then Byron Donalds on the third ballot. Those are the 20. I mean, this is something we should be celebrating. How else do you want to do this? And, and even if the federal thing is not so much your thing, which is not mine, but this is the blueprint to transitioning to a new party, to making concessions that everyone seems to think that they were so successful so far in getting concessions. Well, how do you think you're going to get them? Oh, pretty please. Please help us beat the Democrats. Oh, we love you. Oh, we're always going to support you with the general. No, you're like, you bastards. We don't support you. We're not Republicans. We'll use you for the ballot line like you use us for our votes. And we'll get in there and make demands. It's not just about the speaker's race. It's not just about McCarthy. It's not about these individuals. That is the blueprint. This is what it means is a difference between starting a new party that you don't readily have available versus being on the plantation of GOP. That is the fulcrum here. That is the dividing line. Whether you're like, look, we've tried this for 20 years. Nothing will change until we burn down the GOP. And we have very strategic ideas of how to do it. Versus, yeah, I'm for complaining. Yeah, I'm for this when it's convenient. But I don't want to do anything messy. Ultimately, I'm always going to back the GOP. This is how it goes. You lost fair and square in conference. Now it's time to bet. No! If you really... Their whole argument is, Daniel, I don't want to start a new party. This is our party. So then act like it. But the same guys who poo-poo a new party are like, well, the, the establishment has the majority, so we have to work with... No! I'm sick of these pathetic thumbsuckers. These pathetic, pathetic human beings. So folks, as I'm talking here, we're going to end at it with a little bit of a cliffhanger like we've never done before. This is very fluid, and obviously you're going to hear this after the result. But as I'm talking to you, it's about 12.30 p.m. Eastern, uh, Chip Roy, ahead of the fourth round of voting, has placed into nomination Byron Donalds. He is a Florida Republican. He's a member of the Freedom Caucus, but he's a very kind of new, low-key guy, very well-respected. He is one of the names I've heard floated before. I didn't know the exact strategy of when they would bring him out. They brought him out. By the way, you could tell they did this very strategically. This is a good effort. And I listened as I'm talking, you know, some of Chip's speech. 
and it was riveting. It was like, if you had an entire room captivated of the entire swamp, what would you tell them? It was beautiful. It was beautiful. And he said, look at everyone sitting in this chamber, all 435 members. Imagine if we did this on Ukraine. Imagine if we did this on every issue. We had a debate. And he nominated Byron. Um, now look, I'm just going to say this. Byron Donalds is black. Now, to us, it matters what you believe in, what you fight for, who you are, skin and color, does it, it's not up or down. But let's face it, as we talked about, to the GOP, this is everything. Oh, our image. So he doesn't give the vibe of a Lauren Boebert, of Andy Biggs, of a... Right, he really doesn't. Okay? This is everything they wanted. You could have a black speaker. The first black speaker in history could be a Republican. Again, to me, it matters more what you stand for. But this is the GOP loves this. So you might not have agreed with these guys for whatever stupid reason, but they took it this far. Why, if you are a Fox News host, why at this point... Would you not say, yeah, this is a much better idea, a fresh face, you get the first black speaker, he's definitely going to be more conservative, but he's not like a bomb thrower or anything. This should make sense. And everyone, if everyone with influence would browbeat them into supporting Byron Donalds, this is not a joke, this is a serious thing. It's not like the whole, um, you know, uh, Jim Jordan thing where he he doesn't want it and they're, you know he's part of McCarthy and whatever. He w- He will accept, he will accept it. I don't know what the vote's going to be. The vote tally is going on. You'll find out. But just as a capstone, this demonstrates the fraud of it all. And I just want to end off. I don't have the audio for Chip's new speech, but this was Chip's speech yesterday when he nominated Jim Jordan. I'm just going to end off today with the audio of Chip Roy. Um, we need the tools and the leadership. That's what we've been lacking. What is your plan to get the tools and the leadership. We put out a number of, of plans. Chip has an idea to at least change it in the U.S. House, House with a speaker. There is no reason. This is not a disagreement in strategy anymore. If at this point you will say you need to stand down and support McCarthy over Byron Donalds, you are not a conservative. You are not a populist. You're not anti-establishment. You're not anything. You are part of the swamp there is no excuse at this point for not joining that fight. Let's end off and take a listen with the audio of our hero, patriot, and great friend, Chip Roy. So this is what the chamber looks like when we're actually debating and the bodies are in the chairs. How many times have we been down here giving speeches and there's not a soul in the chamber? Yet this is what it takes to get 440, 435 people in the chamber and have an actual debate. The American people are watching, and that's a good thing. What we're doing is exercising our rights to vote and have a debate and have a discussion about the future of this country through the decision of choosing a speaker. This is not personal. It's not. This is about the future of the country. This is about the direction of the country. American people who are looking at this body and wondering why we can pass $1.7 trillion bills that are unpaid for. They can just slide in $45 billion for Ukraine but not pay for it. $40 billion for emergency spending and not pay for it. 10% increase in defense spending. 6% increase in non-defense spending and not pay for it. 
and not do a thing except put language in a bill that prohibits our ability to use the money to secure the border. That bill gets rammed through, and we know exactly how it gets rammed through, because the defense world and the non-defense world come together and say, you know what, we're going to cut a deal, and we'll all go to the mics, and we'll all go give speeches, and the American people are the big losers. That's what happens. We know that's what happens. The Rules Committee sits up there and passes a bill, sends it to the floor, and we have no debate on the floor of this body. We haven't been able to offer an amendment on the floor of this body since May of 2016. The former leader and I have discussed this right here. That's true. But the fact is, this place has to change. It has to change. And the change comes by either adopting rules and procedures that will make us actually do our job, or it comes from leadership. And people ask me, what do you want? I want the tools or I want the leadership to stop the swamp from running over the average American every single day. We can't keep doing this. I'm going to sit here until we figure out how to stop spending money we don't have. I don't want any more empty promises. I don't want any more, oh, don't worry, trust us, we'll do it. I want to know that we're going to be able to exercise our rights as a member of this body to stand up for the American people and actually fix this country. And it's not going to happen when we use our men and women in uniform in defense and wrap ourselves around that and then spend more money that we don't have, weakening that defense, weakening our country in the process. But that's what we just did. Ladies and gentlemen, I am asking for us to come together and figure out how to solve these problems. And to do that, I'm going to do what I did my very first act as a member of Congress or as a congressman-elect and nominate Jim Jordan for speaker. Now, Jim has said he doesn't want that nomination, and Jim has been down here nominating Kevin, and I respect that. And again, I have no personal animus towards Kevin. And I've worked for the last two months to try to figure out how to get the rules to make this place better, and we've made progress. But we do not have the tools or the leadership yet to stop the swamp from rolling over the American people. Jim has been doing it. He has a track record of doing it. And for those reasons, I am nominating Jim Jordan from Ohio for Speaker of the House of Representatives.